like my father was in East Tennessee land of free home free spent time as a kid hills of Carolina mountains and valleys there there's no place finer still my time keeps ticking away I'll just keep Hello, everyone. Hey, guys. It has been uh, a little bit since we've talked to you guys. We skipped last week. Um, so it's good to be with you all again. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rough time, uh, personally for me, from a health standpoint. Also, this is the first episode we're recording where Morgan and I both have equipment that's better than talking just like into a phone or a computer screen. <laughs> That's true. We're, we're feeling all official. I've got like these headphones on. I've got an actual mic. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully it sounds much more official. We'll we see. hope so. We hope it's not got any annoying trash in it. So we're trying. We're trying. We are. Um, yeah. So our last episode was, you know, it was pretty heavy. I think it was our, our heaviest episode yet. Um, yep. Obviously, there's a lot going on. So I guess we can we can do a quick little update of kind of where we're at since that last uh, update two weeks ago. I guess that's really been like three weeks at this point since we yeah. recorded it. Yeah, that would be awesome. Definitely. So Morgan, why don't you start? I know um, we kind of ended that last episode with the devastating conversation that we had with your mother and it was a very difficult day and I know you've got a lot going on in life as well. So I'm so happy to see you do. I know. Yeah. Sarah and I have both <laughs> been really busy um, aside from family stuff. So we haven't talked a whole lot. So yeah. it's actually really good to get to to see each yeah. other. Oh, um, and I'm the are... older cousin. I'm Sarah. My voice is oh, the yeah. most back to normal. This might be the new normal after my illnesses. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Morgan. I'm the younger cousin. And, you know, my voice has luckily been the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, since that last update, I guess that's been about three weeks ago, like I said, since we had that call with my mom um, and her kind of talking about her suicidal ideations and how difficult that was because, you know, I had just kind of really put in some boundaries because she had been pretty verbally abusive. So since then, I I don't know. I, I think I've, I haven't been in a super great place. I mean, it's definitely affected me these last three weeks. Um, definitely not been able to do my normal kind of self-care and like feel like my normal cheery self, except when it was 60 and sunny yesterday. But aside from that. Right. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> that was so nice. Yes. Um, so it's been a bit of a struggle and I've kind of had to like actually sit down and talk to my friends and, and the people who I'm kind of interacting it with regularly because I hadn't told anyone. I'd literally just told, I mean, Sarah went through that phone call with me and then we told you guys the podcast, but I didn't tell anyone in my kind of regular sphere of sphere of influence. So I had to have some like conversations with like friends and everyone and um, just being like, hey, like I know I've kind of acted like everything's okay, but like it's not. And here's kind of right. what's happened. And, you know, it's with that kind of stuff, like it's so heavy that you don't want to be like, hey, <laughs> I know we have plans this week, but like here's what happened. You know, you don't really want to talk about it, um, but it was really affecting me to like completely compartmentalize those two things. Um, right. And of course, my friends, like it was, it was such a good reminder of like, 
everyone in my life who loves me was like, you know, it's not, it's not a burden. It's never a burden. Like that's what we're here mm. for. You know, that's why we're in, in your life. So that was really helpful. And I think since I've kind of opened up and talked about it a little, um, and kind of let the people in my life know what was going on, I, I felt a little better, um, which is good. And then I, you know, my mom and I, we've talked a lot more since obviously, because I'm genuinely worried and there's that guilt and everything. Um, but we've had some pretty good conversations. I think she's in a better headspace. Um, and we haven't had any kind of negativity or like verbal abuse. I've kind of just like noticed when things start to derail on our phone calls and can kind of just hop off and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's been okay since then. I would say that our relationship has improved since, but you know, as you guys know, it's such a like, fluid thing like who knows what will happen tomorrow or next week or whatever but as of right now it's, it's been okay since I think that phone call forced me to be a little more forgiving I guess yeah. and for, for better or for worse but that's where we're at I'm so proud of you like opening up and sharing it in the appropriate way with your you know, sphere of friends, because that is hard. Um, I had a therapist tell me once and I cannot articulate it correctly, but basically like pushing those emotions and feelings and hurt away, like it will never go away. Like if you Mm -mm. don't deal with it, if it's not reality and I'm huge on pushing things away, always have been. So like opening up and actually talking about it and letting it be openly a part of your life without hiding it is a, a huge step. Yeah. So, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, that I've had a huge step in my life as well, specifically with my my workplace, with what's happened that we shared in the last episode. I have mentioned on several episodes that I don't talk about it. It's, you know, like I don't want to burden work. I don't want people to question me or worry about me. And so because of the significance of what is going on with my mother, I've had to disclose, you know, I actually had to put in FMLA paperwork in case I need to take intermittent time. Um, And my boss knows and more of my peers know about what's going on. And it's a really vulnerable thing, Um, you know, especially in the workplace to be open about it and not just have my fake Sarah face on and just going about my business and getting stuff done, you know, yeah. so it's definitely put me in a completely different space. Speaking of different yeah. spaces, I've also been really sick this year. Um, imagine that I have some like history of sinus issues. I've had surgery. Like I kept struggling with a really bad sinus infection, which is what ultimately messed up my my throat and my voice previously. And so last week I was going back on steroids and basically a bunch of things happened with my immune system. And I wound up having just a complete gastritis attack with my stomach, which I've had before. And uniquely, they always align with really stressful situations. So Hmm. It's like, it's it's crazy though, because, you know, people are always like, oh, your mind, it controls your health, yada, yada. And I believe it, trust me. But I am here to tell you (laughs) that the worst episodes I've had of gastritis where I'm just like extremely ill, both ends, can't do anything for at least a day. This time it was two days is directly related to stress. It has to be like, I truly believe that. I truly believe that stress can completely take down your immune system and your body. And that's what I've been dealing with this week. I am just thankful to be able to speak, to be able to be here (laughs) with you guys. (laughs) Yeah, I am thankful for my health. I am thankful for being able to be back at work. I mean, I have just been 
half present for at least the last six weeks, honestly. And a really good testament to that, I was starting to explain to Morgan, I had this really great um, thought to get a body wash that's supposed to like hydrate and firm my skin. It's like Olay. And so you know, some of those bougier body washes and not the LA super bougie, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just like soap. <laughs> They're not real soapy. And so like, I've been very dissatisfied all month. I've been trying to use it out. I got down to the very bottom the other night and I'm like, gosh, I have to use so much of this. Like it doesn't lather up. I can't smell it. I finally look at the bottle and y'all I've been washing myself in the shower with lotion for like at least a month at this point. <laughs> this is where my headspace has been. I'm not even washing my ass appropriately. <laughs> like the bottom of my shower is an ice rink. <laughs> like <laughs> what is happening? So I had a proper bath. I'm Family. back. It's a beautiful week, except for it did rain today. Yeah. And I am ready to be present and make great things happen. <laughs> the using the lotion as body wash for almost a month. Like, I mean, that really explains it all. You can't make it up. And like, yeah, that's, that's how attentive I've been even trying (laughs) to take care of myself, how attentive I've been um, with everything that's going on. Not much has changed um, since the update other than my mother is still in a specialty hospital, um, getting wound care and, and recovering. And it's a, uh, every day is a different journey. So that's pretty much where we are with that. But yeah, yeah. I was going to say, um, just like regarding like being sick and stressed, like we, we know that's a thing. Like stress causes cortisol to go up and cortisol affects your immune system greatly. And yeah, the mind body connection is huge. And I know we've spoken about that a little bit, like when I was in second grade and all of these doctors thought, you know, so much was wrong with me and my white blood cell count, like trauma and stress. Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely all very connected, which is why mental health is so important. It's, it, so it's your important. physical health. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they thought Morgan had cancer. I mean, I yeah. literally could have been in the emergency room. I was this sick last week, but I wound up just medicating at home from medications my specialist called in. But, you know, people who like just think, oh, it's all in your head, this or that. No, y'all, it's real business. It'll make your body completely fall apart if your mental yeah. health is not taken care of. Yeah. And there's that saying of like, if you don't like slow down and take care of yourself, like your body will force you to slow down and take care of yourself. That's literally what I said to my boss. I was like, well, I got to take an involuntary break and get caught up on my sleep. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Your body is like, nope, we're not doing this. Yeah. And I Um, had missed like some significant stuff at work last week and I was really bummed about it and stressed, but you know what? My body said, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be in the bathroom floor for two days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling a lot better now. Um, Me too, for sure. Yeah, we're both kind of, you know, trying to do the best we can as always. Yes. I'm really excited about the episode. So uh, this is Sarah again. I'm going to be sharing the majority of the content for today's story. We're going to take it back to the turn of the century because (laughs) where there is the age difference, a lot of what I'm talking about will be kind of new to Morgan too as an adult. So yeah, like totally new. I haven't heard like most of this. So I'm excited as I'm listening just as much as you all are. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about my biological father and real quick. This is, as I know, this is the one who uh, from the beach trip and the duct tape with the shooting the foot. 
Yes, this is duct taped <laughs> my mom's foot, went to the beach, got crazy, ate all the food. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is my biological father. He actually passed away in 2011. So it's been a little over 10 years since I lost him. But we are going to back it up to about 2000. And thankfully, um, my child's father, my first husband, is a good spirit and doesn't mind that I keep telling stories. You know, I mean, we kind of grew up together and he was a part of a lot of these stories. So again, he's going to be a little bit of a part of this one. Um, He has a beautiful family and definitely enjoys the kickbacks as well. So, (laughs) you know, and gets to laugh about them. So it was about 2000 and we were driving home. We were on the interstate here in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is I-40. It was one of the main ones. And we're just like having conversation, heading toward our house. And we approach a vehicle that is on the, the slow lane, but they're, they're going like maybe 30 miles an hour. And so like you can see them for a long time coming up on them. And of course, you know, the ex is like, what the? what in the hell is this fucking idiot doing? You know, like what is going on? He's like having to get over and it's like inconveniencing him, you know? I was like, I don't know what an idiot. They need to get off the road. Obviously they're drunk. And as we get closer to the red Toyota truck, I notice a certain emblem on the like tail hitch on the back. And I go, hang on, (laughs) slow down. Hang on. I was like, that's my dad. That's my fucking dad. He's obviously drunk. Please get in behind him. I'm going to try to call him. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is how my first husband met my father for the first time. Oh, my God. Wait, (laughs) no, I have not heard this story. What are the fucking odds? What are the odds? So I want to say I couldn't get him on a phone. Like cell phones were early, although my father did have early cell phones. We like flashed him down, got him to pull over off the interstate. He was totally trashed driving which was not unlike him but going like 30 on the highway was not good so wound up I got in the little red Toyota and we drove him home and the ex followed and well he got to beat my dad for the first time involuntarily (laughs) we did continue to drink and get well acquainted once we got to his house so it did turn into a fun time we were young so you know took it with a with a giggle and, and a shot of whiskey. And yep. <laughs> that was the introduction to my father. So now you know the introduction both from my first husband to my mother and now how he met my father. Which both like, I can't believe he married you after that. <laughs> I know, right? Well, he did wait a long what, while after that. So maybe that was why. I don't know. But so that was kind of like the intro to here's my dad. And yeah. my dad was a very kindred spirit with me and a very... I don't know what the right term to use, kind of earthy, universal, astrological, very into energies um, type of person. And so he and I always had a deep connection. Now, we did have a little bit of a strained relationship because he never got his shit together and, you know, didn't do custody or like withhold obligations like he should have. But we were always close from like a spiritual level. And so even though he'd screw up and, you know, I'd have to go check on him, make sure he's alive. Like I always enjoyed time with him. So if you take from that moment and kind of fast forward to 2011, over the years, uh, my first husband and I and our child, we moved around for his career. And at the time we lived in Austin, Texas. So that year we lived in Austin, Texas. And as we moved around, my father was a single man. So he would come and visit, you know, and he, he didn't have like really a 
oftentimes a job or anything that he was like tied down to. So I'd just be like, come on, dad, I'll pay for you. Come visit, you know? So I had put him on, on an airplane that year and he had come to Austin and visited us. So that was the year of the Texas dry house. <laughs> and he was my first patient. Oh, he so- was your first patient? Your mom wasn't? No, he was the first. Oh, okay. He that's warned funny. her. I mean, I don't know what she was doing. (laughs) She had a warning. She had a warning. So he got there and like the home was big, you know, he had a bedroom and everything. And he, my child was a toddler at the time. So like he was enjoying spending time with him, but he drank like every day, all day, you know? So I'm like working. um, And, you know, I was at my same career. I was working technically remote from them. So I traveled a lot. So he would try to help with my kid with childcare and stuff. So this particular trip, (laughs) I decided he is missing out on too much with his alcoholism. So I decided to, I mean, I'm his only life force. He has no money. So I took it away. I'm like, sorry, (laughs) you can choose to do something else. I'm tired of you. Like, and again, disclaimer to everyone, it's really dangerous pulling someone off of alcohol. I did not know this at the time. So be sure to consult medical and everything if you ever want to do an intervention slash dry house yourself. <laughs> Which we, we you know, as we know with addiction, it, 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 doesn't it has work. to come from them anyways. <laughs> yeah, it's, take it from Sarah's lessons. It, it doesn't don't work. try it. Yeah. It just pissed him off and he got grouchy. Yep. He was still sweet, but still. So yeah, I got him to where at least he was drinking less. We'll say that. Yeah. More, more at appropriate times. So we had a long visit and he went home. And at the time he'd been in a three-year um, like battle with disability. He had been in a really terrible motos- mo- motorcycle accident in the 70s, which is actually in medical records. And he did have like a leg that was shorter than the other. He had a lot of hip problems. And so he finally was getting his disability and getting the settlement. So he kind of left my nest, mm-hmm. went back home, and he winds up getting the, the settlement, which anytime someone who is actively suffering with alcoholism or addiction gets a lump sum of money, probably going to be problematic, which it yeah. was. And at the time, he started dating a family friend that we'd known for a very long time. And this lady had been a good friend to him for many years. I'd known her almost my whole life. She used to be a larger woman. She actually had a bypass surgery, which is applicable later in the story, and had wound up losing a lot of weight. She was very small um, by the time that year rolled around. And my dad was really tied up in her um, really close relationship. They'd been through a lot together. I guess I could consider to say that they kind of used together because she had some pain issues and she had like some infection issues with her gastric surgery. And so there was some definitely like some opioid use and and barbiturates and things like that. Yeah. So that year unfolded to her actually coming down with an infection that she could not beat. And she passed away in the fall of that Mm -hmm. year, which just sent my dad into a spiral. And obviously he had the newfound money and Things just really got bad. Um, There was some involvement from some of his neighbors. People were taking advantage of him. People were stealing his money. Like there's literal video footage of it. They were stealing vehicles. Like a lot of really bad things were happening and like intravenous drug use, all of that. But he was choosing to continue to be with that company and live that life. So... Uh, A couple of days after my birthday in October of that year, 
I was working all of the time. Like I was building a team. I was, you know, establishing with an account. I had worked probably until 1 or 2 a.m. It was October 27th. My birthday's on the 24th. And at the time I had two phones. I had my personal phone and then I had my work Blackberry. (laughs) Good Lord, I could text so fast on that thing. (laughs) So glad I don't have it anymore though. And I laid down on the downstairs couch to rest after I'd been up working so late. And I remember waking up to my work cell phone ringing at about, it was probably 2 a.m., 2.30. I know I hadn't laid down very long. And it was my youngest brother. And his voice was shaking. And he was like, hey. I was like, hey. And then I realized looking at my phones, like people had been calling me. And he was like, I need you to call dad. And when he says dad, he means my stepfather his dad. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why? He was like, I just need you to call dad. And his voice was shaking. And so like, I knew immediately something was really wrong. And I honestly thought it was my mother because of how everything happened. So I would have thought too. Yeah. yeah, And whenever I called my stepdad, I didn't hear my mom in the background at first. So I thought it was her, like in my head, I was like, well, she died. Nope. He gets me on the phone and he's like, Hey honey, I've got some really bad news. And it had been communicated to them that my father was found deceased on his couch in his home. Um, And my mom was inconsolable as well. That was her ex-husband. And so I'm in shock, barely awake at this point. Like I am this man's only child. Yeah. And Also, I've got to notify his mother who doesn't know yet, which is Mm. my grandmother who's elderly. That's her only son. So, you know, I'm in shock. I'm like booking plane tickets for me and my child to fly back. I made my mom and stepfather go to my grandmother's house in the middle of the night and wait at the sliding glass door for me to call her because I was afraid she was going to have a heart attack. And I get her on the phone. I tell her to go to the door. Please open the door. And the sad part was she was getting excited. She thought I was surprising her. Oh, God. But little did she know that I was telling her that her only child had passed away. And I mean, she just collapsed in my parents' arms. It was horrific. She had a lot of fertility issues getting pregnant with my father. And it was Mm. her only child. And she worried endlessly about him. Um, So in in one sense, it was a relief that she no longer had to worry about his whereabouts and what he was doing. But obviously that was like, that's the hardest hit for, I mean, a parent to lose a child. It's just not the natural order. It's not what you should be going through. And so once all that was squared away, I go to the next town over to get a flight because it was cheaper than Austin to to fly back. And again, back to the gastritis. I get to the airport and every time I have an episode, I start getting a taste in my mouth. It's very specific. Mm. So before I could even get through security, the taste in my mouth starts and I start vomiting in the bathroom. And wait, just for just (laughs) painting the picture, your son is three, four. Four. Okay. Four. Very four-year-old, very grieving, small, thick. wiry four-year-old. I don't want anyone to ask me why I'm flying. <laughs> flying right. for bereavance sucks, y'all. Like living away from home and having to make a long flight home is awful. It, it truly yeah. is. Like it, there's it, like that in-between purgatory period. There is nothing worse. And so I'm like trying my best to keep my composure because I have no choice but to come in. I have to do the arrangements. I have to yeah. take care of my grandparents. Like I don't want people to think I have like a virus because I knew what it was. (laughs) 
So I get to my layover and I'm just flat out sick at this point. And I'm in the family bathroom on the floor in the airport in Atlanta, vomiting, laying on the floor, miserable. I'm here at the toilet, just like losing it. And here's my child who is four. He's very unique, wiry, and always just like not real good with social awareness. He's got his bag of Doritos and he's right here at the toilet by me. (laughs) like watching me vomit profusely and I'm just like can you please back up a little bit let me vomit Doritos away your Doritos are getting vomit splashed on them right now like what is wrong with you oh my god and so I finally made it to the last leg and at this point apparently you can fit a grown woman a four-year-old in a a airplane toilet bathroom while vomiting because I had to do that. I literally did not think I was going to make it. I mean, I didn't think I thought I was just going to die. Like (laughs) literally getting off of that airplane with everything going on and my body shutting down and seeing my mom and my stepdad like right at the end of where security is holding a bottle of like Finnegan to give me to knock me out. I was just like, I never felt so saved in my life. I was just oh like, gosh. thank the Lord, take this child. Yeah. <laughs> give me the meds. Give me a pillow. I just want to black out for like at least a day before I can deal with anything. Was that your first um, gastritis attack? No, I started having issues with my stomach when I was 19, actually. Okay. I didn't realize that. And it's always the same situation. And again, like even the doctors are like, well, you're not allergic to anything and we can't tell what's onsetting them. And so again, stress people, I'm pretty sure it's just called stress. Yeah. (laughs) And it like messes up the chemicals in my GI system and it gets very unhappy. But You know, everything that kind of fell after that, um, I pushed the emotions away. I was there for my grandmother who was remarried and then his father who was remarried. You know, they're watching their baby get buried. And it was the most pitiful, awful situation you could possibly imagine. Freebird was the song I played for him because that absolutely represents him to a T. Um, Did the arrangements, didn't shed a tear, stood strong for my family, push things back. At the same token, this is actually when our first husband and I were separating. So this was a really rough time in my life. (laughs) That's true because yeah, yeah, this was 2011. Mm. I was a senior in high school. I do remember these services. Uh, I remember going to the funeral and everything. And my first year of college was when you went through your divorce. So, I mean, Yeah. yeah, this was right before. Damn. Yeah. So even when my father had passed, we had already made the decision that I was moving back to Knoxville and we were separating. So like the move, the separation, the passing away, like all of this is happening at once. Um, For the first time in my life at my career, I had a VP who I love dearly. He literally cut my email off because he was just like, (laughs) Sarah's just going to keep working. And like, she needs to focus on herself, which I sort of appreciated in a loving way, but didn't because I really just needed an escape sometimes too. And that's what I do with myself. But so arrangements um, were nice. And then we went to do the burial. (laughs) And so my father loved motorcycles, always rode. And so I got his street bike and like Morgan was on a bike, I believe with her father, I had everyone bring their bikes so we could do like a motorcycle procession for him because he would have loved it. And it was actually on Halloween, which was his favorite holiday. And I'll be damned, that bike was fine. We go to pull out of the funeral home parking lot and the bike wouldn't start for 30 
minutes. So like even all of his friends are like, God damn, you know, his name. You're even late to your own funeral, man. (laughs) It's like, this is just like you, you know, like, dude, you're holding up your own burial. Like what's going on? I don't know what the issue was with the motorcycle. It finally started, but it was a 30 minute delay. And we were all just like watching everybody try to start this bike that nothing was wrong with until we went to do the procession. And it was truly sad. I mean, Graveside, someone brought this up the other day. My grandmother, his mother, literally had them reopen the casket graveside before they put it down in the the cast and like collapsed onto him with a rose, like crying, devastated. Yeah, that was rough. That was it awful. was so emotional. And you know, the the sad part is his father, my grandfather, told me he said, I'm not going to survive losing your dad. And he didn't. He actually passed away a month later (laughs) and I was bedside with him. It was um, from illness, old natural causes. And again, like I was bedside with him the whole time through hospice. It got to where essentially you're in renal failure and they're admitting the medicines to pass away peacefully. And literally the last two hours of his life, what happens? Gastritis attack. I wind up having to go take, again, my favorite medicine, Phenogren, and knocking myself out, vomiting at my grandmother's house while the very last breaths were taken because I couldn't stay because I started getting sick profusely. Oh, my God. Yeah, I did not know that. I mean, I remember when he passed, but I didn't know you were sick like that literally at the end of his life. Oh, God. So, again, like, there's some real science behind it, folks, like stress and in the health of your body. Jesus, that's awful. Yeah. So 2011, that last section of the year was real rough for me, but it wound up with me back in Tennessee, Morgan freeing up and coming and staying with me. And we got to have a couple of really great years together while my child was younger and Morgan was younger and I was freshly single. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was, I guess, well, I was single for part of it, whatever. It didn't matter. I was like 18 or 19. So might as well be single anyways. But yeah, Yeah. that was, that was a really good time of us living together. I guess I lived there for what, almost an entire year. And then came back the summer after I went to college, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, That that sounds right. That was a good time. We'll have to Um, post a picture from that time. I have some. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I was in my first year at community college. So like, you know, just like come to your house. Or I have, I mean, not come to your house. I was living there. Living at my house. Yes. Yeah. I had my little room and my little desk. And it was just the three of us. Man, we built that futon flip up bed that you slept on I don't know how, how did you slept I do that? on that thing <laughs> I, don't I am know. the pickiest most finicky sleeper ever how did I sleep in that on that futon for a year I don't know it was like the one that basically it was it's like that? a lawn chair so like <laughs> the backs if you push them all the way forward it'll like lay down as a bed or exactly like three adjustments like who came up with that <laughs> it was like the cheapest thing from Walmart yeah I have I have no fucking clue how I slept on that for so long I mean I guess like 18, 19 year old Morgan could do it. Morgan today, absolutely not. <laughs> I did that though. Was insane. You did. You did. Oh Sometimes you slept with me though, which was probably a lot more comfortable. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, we actually slept in that California King a lot. And we did. sometimes my friend added, plus your son added. I mean, Yo, <laughs> look, king size bed when you're thin and 
you can fit lots of people. <laughs> fit everybody in there. Yeah, it was, was it was good time though. I'm I'm really glad I got that time with Morgan. Yeah. Um. So just a quick question, just because I don't know much about this, and yeah, if you don't want to talk about it, we can edit this out. Um. But did they ever determine cause of death for your dad? So on the death certificate, they ruled it like a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um. He had nothing in his system once the autopsy came back six months later, which means he ran out of money, which he had. Um, I don't know if he was stolen from, if someone did something to him. Like, basically, there were all these speculations that something bad had happened. And there was definitely evidence, and he had been stolen from. And, like, cleaning out his home was horrible. There were definitely drug, illicit, lots of illicit drugs being used. And yeah things had been stolen. Like, I think that what two of the hardest things for me is thinking about him on the couch, passing away by himself, that image. And then, you know, I had just had a birthday. So I had talked to him, I believe. And then he tried to call me probably two or two nights before he passed. I guess it was right around on my birthday and I was working and I didn't answer the phone. And the image of his name on my phone screen has haunted me for so long because I felt so guilty. Like maybe I could have done something like maybe he was calling me because he needed help and I didn't answer. And like that's been something that I've been trying to cope with since it happened. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing I can come to the conclusion of is that he went through withdrawals. Especially if it was alcohol and opioid related, he probably just had withdrawals and passed away during the withdrawals. I mean, withdrawals are dangerous for for anyone who is not very familiar with with withdrawal from, especially alcohol is one of the more dangerous withdrawals, I believe. Um, Yeah, it's physically dangerous. I've had an intake person um, when my mother went to rehab tell me that one in 10 people die withdrawing from alcohol inappropriately. Holy shit. More than illicit drugs, basically. That's so. crazy. I mean, it's just awful. Um, and that that makes that leads me into when I wanted to mention it at some point in an episode. Um, I had an old friend uh, slash coworker text me who, you know, is in some of the earlier episodes of the podcast, like has just kind of recently started listening. So by no means caught up. Um, and they asked me you know, I just have one question. Like, I don't mean this in a judgy way or whatever, but like, why have you not cut your family off? And this person, you know, has gone through a lot of trauma as well. And they're to the point where like, they're a parent now themselves and they, they just have cut their family off completely. Um, and I had to sit with that one. Like I kind of got defensive at first. I was just kind of like, well, you know, um, but the more I thought about it, I was kind of like, I don't know for me personally. and, And I think I can probably speak for you, Sarah, with our family. Like, Cutting them off is probably in certain ways, the easier way in certain ways, not because yeah, we think about like, you know, we've talked about like the other shoe dropping and kind of like, we've experienced a lot of sudden death and (laughs) those last phone calls, or, you know, even thinking about our grandfather who like, we were, we didn't have a close relationship towards the end of his life, both of us, because he was an active addict. And then it's like, he takes his life and there's a lot of guilt there. And it's like, I don't know. Once someone passes, I mean, you can't do anything. And so it's like, that's why I think it's, it's harder. I think it's harder work trying to find a boundary Mm -hmm. of keeping this person in your life 
while maintaining your mental health. Like, I think that's harder than just cutting someone off. Um, but, but that guilt, I mean, the guilt is so hard and, you know, every therapist I've ever had, is just like, you just can't feel guilty. And it's just like, but I do. And yeah. if something were to happen, like if I didn't talk to my mom these last three weeks and something had happened and she had taken her life, like she said, um, she wanted to, I, I, I don't know that I could ever be okay with that. Right. If I had, I mean, if I had, weren't talking to her. Simply missing the last phone call has haunted me for over yeah, a decade. And exactly. It, I have cut my mom off before. It is Same. easier. And the boundary yeah. is for you. You're doing it for yourself. And, you know, who knows? There might be times in the future where I'll have to do that again. But you have to get to the point where you tell yourself, if she dies today, I'm fine with my decisions. And yep. that is a very selfish thing at the end of the day even though it sucked to deal with addiction and mental health issues. Um, But I think that's a super fair question and it's definitely a self-preserving question. And Mm -hmm. I think there have been times in my life where I've had to cut off close family members, but then, you know, Morgan and I are both in the boat of trying to meet everyone where they are, not having, you know, these crazy expectations and just loving them the way they are while also trying to preserve our mental health, which is really freaking hard. Yeah. I think, I think the more that we do this podcast and more that we process and and are in therapy and all the things like the closer I get to like feeling really good about where we're at um, and kind of like having like the answers, if you will. And yeah, I think that those two things, and and I kind of had that realization and talked to you about it of the the one thing I mentioned a couple episodes ago about the expectations, like not having yeah. the expectations is really important. And two, remembering that your boundaries in terms of like how much contact you have with family members or, or loved ones, uh, especially ones who, you know, are, are dealing with mental illness, untreated mental illness and addiction, et cetera, et cetera. Your boundaries can change. They can be fluid. Yeah, absolutely. just you can you can cut them off if you need to for two months and then I mean, I think in my mind, I always thought of like, I either have my mom in my life or I don't. And it's really not that like, it's really a a fluid thing of like, what works right now probably won't work in in another month, maybe won't Mm -hmm. work tomorrow or a week. It's really about figuring out what worked for you. And and again, yeah, that it goes back to the, your boundaries are for you, not the other person. And it's okay if they change. That's beautiful. Like just the way that you articulated that and said it, and it takes a big person to go back on okay, I'm not cutting you off anymore. And I'll, you know, be accountable and responsible for like my feelings and emotions and what I've said and did. And, you know, like that's hard for people, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything is fluid, man. It's life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the more flexible we can be with life, (laughs) the easier things will be because it's crazy. (laughs) It is. Truly, truly. It is. I love seeing your snowboard in the back. I know. I only got to use it once, but uh, it was good. I hadn't used it in like five years, but I went. That's right. Slaying that mountain. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We'll have to post a little picture with it in the background. Yeah, that'd be awesome. (laughs) Um, Oh, man. But it's it's good to be podcasting again. Sorry. I'm yes, it my... is. I'm sorry for the long break, y'all. Obviously, you understand now what ha- happened with my life. I'm back. <laughs> 
yeah, we figured it out. Um, <laughs> you know, again, we got to be flexible. That's an example. Yeah. We couldn't record because you were unwell. <laughs> yes, that is correct. That is correct. Um, and it's just, it really is a testament to like, you really, everyone, you have to prioritize your mental health because it, it, it affects everything. It affects yes. your, your physical health and whatever that means for you, whether that's, you know, fucking one day doing yoga and journaling and going to therapy <laughs> and the next day binging Netflix all day because you just, you can't, Yep, that's okay. You know, but you yeah. just, you have to prioritize yourself. Yeah. Um, and what's and good for you in your mind and your spirit doesn't have to be cool or good for anybody else. Do what exactly. you do. Like I would never be caught dead journaling and reading to <laughs> take care of myself, but that is absolutely what Morgan does. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't let the internet tell you that either. I feel like there's been a lot of TikTok trends lately yeah. of like that girl and like, here's how you sh- you're supposed to live this aesthetic, mentally healthy life. And like, wow. that's so crazy. Like, Please don't compare yourself to the internet. I mean, that's a whole <laughs> rabbit hole, but yeah. Like, yeah, whatever works for you works for you and that's okay. And it doesn't have to look like anyone else. And tell us what works for you. Come to the yeah. Facebook page. Talk Come to, to the us. Facebook page and talk to us. So we're not just talking to the void. <laughs> <laughs> tell us what you're watching. Tell us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We need All show recommendations things. for sure. Yeah. Yay. Oh, yay. I'm so glad to see you. It's been such a treat recording because I, I miss know. you because I've been yeah. unwell and you've been busy <laughs> and I've been busy and <laughs> all the things. I know yeah. it's nice to see you too. I probably wouldn't have seen your face otherwise. I guess we maybe would have popped on a FaceTime, but this podcast has been great for many, many Our reasons. mental health. By yeah. Far. <laughs> and that's one reason for sure is that yeah. we're forced to see each other's faces at least once a week. Yeah. But you know, the feedback, we love it. Keep it coming. We'd love to talk about it, you know, share, collaborate, yeah. reach out. Yeah, I'm to really, us. definitely. I'm really grateful for the conversations that are coming from this podcast and people listening. And it's, yeah. it's, it's been helpful for me. Like I said, like the things that I've kind of mentioned in the last few episodes are just realizations because of this podcast, because I'm, we're talking about these things and processing them and, and we're having people ask questions and process with us. And Exactly. That's the whole purpose. That's why we're here. It's so. community. It's a community. And supportive. I don't know why we sang that. Morgan's but... going to re-record our outro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to add an extra outro of me saying style. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, you know, thanks, thanks for sticking with us um, and, you know, understanding when we have to take a week off and um, we love you guys so much. We're so, so yes. grateful that you're here. Like we said, continue to reach out to us and um, we'll talk soon. Yep. Take care of your mental we love health. Thank you. Bye. We love you guys. Bye.